Hi, and welcome to The Week Ahead. I'm Tony Nash. Uh, today we're joined by Sam Rhines, Tracy Shukart, and Albert Marco. And we're going through the events this week and looking toward next week. Before we get started, um, I'd like to ask you to like and subscribe. Uh, please add your comments. We're very, uh, we're on top of the comments. We come back pretty quickly. We really want your engagement. So add those comments in. Also, uh, we have a promo right now on our subscription product, CI Futures. That promo ends in two weeks. So uh, you get uh, forecasts for about 3,000 items. About 900 of those are renewed every week. We show you the forecast, the error rates, all sorts of stuff about all of these different assets, global assets. So please check it out. That runs out in mid-September. So this week, we've seen a lot around dollar hitting almost 110. Uh, we've seen a lot in US market downturn. Um, there's a lot of speculation on the, around the Fed, but we're really focusing on Europe this week. Um, the key themes this week are really around European nat gas stock versus flows, uh, Russian oil price caps and the fallout that's come with that, um, food and fertilizer in Europe, and then we'll look to the week ahead. So I think we'll we'll look at some non-Europe activities for the week ahead. First for European nat gas, um, Sam Rhines uh, in his newsletter came out with some really interesting points around natural gas stocks and flows. You can see the chart on the screen. Sam, can you talk us through kind of what's happening in storage uh, for nat gas in Europe and what we should be looking for as winter approaches? Yeah, sure. So you get this really interesting dynamic where everybody talks about the stock, uh, but very few people talk about the flow. So talking about the stocks of nat gas in Europe is a really interesting one. Yeah, you've got stocks building up pretty quickly, particularly in Germany, sitting north of 82% overall for European stocks in general, you're north of 80%. So yeah, so it's good, right? Stocks seem to be well ahead of where you would anticipate. Germany who has a 95 target for November. They might actually reach it. I mean, even with the shutdown of MS1, uh, Nord Stream 1, you know, that's it's actually not that big of a deal incrementally to in German in particular, Germany in particular. You go from about call it, you know, a 3.2 terawatt hour uh, type pump into Germany to about a three. Right? Okay. You, you didn't you didn't really lose that much. I mean, it was pretty much anticipated anyway. Uh, so if they keep it off for longer, eh, whatever. Uh, you don't have significant usage coming through at the moment for natural gas. It's a time where you can actually afford, quote unquote, uh, to not have those uh, significant flows in. They'll probably still have some stock build. It'll just be slower. Uh, so overall, I think it's a lot of headlines uh, that a lot of it's already priced in, right? If you were looking at the expectations uh, of complete and utter frozen winter, you're not near pretty much not looking at that, assuming that Norway and Belgium continue to put their flows through to Germany at the current rate. Uh, so overall, you're actually sitting at a decent, you know, call it stock level, right? That's fine. Uh, and as long as you continue to have the flows from, call it Northern Europe, you should be okay for the winter. You're not going to be great. It's going to be expensive and it's going to suck. Uh, right. But relative to the expectation of Europe's, you know, Europe's going to freeze this winter, I think I think that might actually be a little bit of an overblown one and you might begin to have a significant blowback on that, right? And you've seen significant declines in things like electricity pricing ahead, which is a ridiculous contract anyway, uh, and Dutch TTF, 
the net gas contract you've seen collapse this week, uh, even with the shutdown of Nord Stream. Uh, so I think a little bit of the froth, a little bit of that angst is beginning to come out of the market. And you might actually have a positive surprise relative to expectations uh, in Europe. So Dutch TTF peaked on like Tuesday or something, right? Yeah. It was early in the week, right? Correct. So, and yeah. Tracy, what, what what are you seeing with that? I mean, do you expect us to hit back up to those those peaks in Dutch TTF, or do you think this is that was kind of a one time hit? And and what Sam's saying about storage is really kind of starting to take hold. I think it really depends over the long run on how flows go. I totally agree with Sam here right now for winter. Europe is pretty much okay, not great, as he mm -hmm. said. Um, but I think, you know, given if we don't see increased flows, you know, that storage would drain significantly by February. So we really have to keep an eye on flows from other countries, you know, particularly the United States and the Middle East, um, and to see how those flows go. So I think it's too early to be completely doom and gloom, but that is something we need to be cognizant of because mm. really those that storage can only last until February. Right, and and for those people who aren't in uh, in in Northern Europe, Northern European winter really it stays cold really until like April, right? I mean, it's not something that February comes and goes and and it's spring and everything's great. You still have cold temperatures in Northern Europe until probably April or so. Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and anecdotally, I mean, you, I mean, if you've been on Twitter, you see a lot of people starting to buy wood. Yep. <laughs> and yep. I mean, the big thing on the European sites is to post how much wood you collected before this winter. Right. Um, so, you know, people are sourcing, you know, people are expecting energy prices to be high and doing whatever they can personally to kind of lower the prices. Because you have to understand when you're talking about uh, European prices or power prices, you know, yeah. it's not just your solid power price. They have that, right. they have, you know, this, that, the other, you know, like almost all of their taxes on top of, is on top of what they actually would be paying, which is outrageous carbon, et cetera. Yep. Yep. And so I just want to go back to one point in Sam's uh, chart as well. I think, Sam, you said the storage is about 82% full or something, and they're targeting 95. But we're ahead in 2022 from where we were in 2021. Is that right? Yeah, that is that is correct. Yeah. Okay. So the doom and gloom that we're hearing, again, we have inflation, we have we definitely have shortages, but in terms of storage, we're ahead of where we were and you know we don't ex expect like a mass extinction event in you know in northern europe because of of heating or whatever right correct i think that is a that is a good base case good that's good for everyone. no mass no mass extinction is you know low bar but yes that's right exactly okay very good Howard, do you have anything to add on this you know i i'm inclined to i'm on the middle of the road here you know i okay. do agree with sam that they'll be okay so long as you know they're okay with no manufacturing, no growth in their economy, and so on and so forth. I mean, if they if they try to kick things up and the demand starts to rise, I don't think they'll be okay. I don't think that the Russians are going to play ball, especially when they start talking about these uh, you know price caps on Russian oil and gas. It's just it, it's one of those things where economically, I can understand where Sam is coming from. Politically, I'm inclined to say that the Europeans are going to screw up and just 
agitate the Russians. And then you start getting into this, you know, back and forth, tit for tat, you know, economic trade and sure. price cap talk. And, you know, risk Let's let the price cap aside for a minute. But when you say no manufacturing, so we've seen some manufacturing dial back and some facilities slow down and, and shutter. It, it, is that expected to continue or do we expect that to ramp back up? Oh, I am. I expect it to completely be just stalled for the entire winter. I don't. I don't. I just think the energy prices are so astronomically high that it's just not economical for companies to manufacture anything. Okay, so if you're sourcing things in Germany, then you should expect supply chain issues for the next five or so months. Is that fair to say? At least six months, and this is why I keep saying that this inflation doom loop keeps recurring because yeah. as this as the demand rises there's not enough supply and then you get back into an inflationary event i mean well, what's the what's the inflation rate in the uk right now like 20 some percent uh, reported 20 some percent and in germany i think it's like 19 percent and rising it's just it doesn't stop right it's not stop and ppi is in the 30s or something so right. and so okay so just to play this out and we don't have a whole lot of time to cover this but if if private sector is, is shutting down even parts of it, then government spending has to kick up. And if government spending is kick, kicking up and we have an ECB that's tightening, that's a difficult environment for the German finance ministry, right? Or is it no, no big deal? Uh, no. No, no big Go deal. Ahead. No, I, I, would, I would completely disagree. I mean, Germany okay, is great. one of the few, few countries in the world that has you know, like, I mean, they could basically print their GDP and they'd still be perfectly fine on a ability to pay basis. I Very mean, they good. spent they spent like three years getting paid to have debt. So okay. Fine. Very good. Because look, nobody wants Germany to suffer, right? And if government spending has to kick up, then, you know, great. If they're not, you know, if they're not going to suffer as a government to be able to do that, then that's even more fantastic. Because you know, with the ECB tightening, it could you know it could create some some difficult trade offs for some countries in the region, of course. Mm -hmm. So let's take this and park it, and let's move on to fertilizer, because of course that's related to natural gas. And you know, we have some. Um, uh, there's a recent Bloomberg story about Europe's deepening fertilizer crunch. Um, Seventy percent of fertilizer fertilizer production is halted, um, yep. and then we have. Uh, a chart showing uh, the price of nitrogen fertilizer in Germany. Um, obviously, it looks you know pretty extreme. So, um, can we cover that, Albert, and look at the impacts of fertilizer and how that's going to how that's going to hit food going into spring or summer of next year? Well, yeah, the fertilizer specifically, which was talking about the nitrogen and uh, um, nitrogen based ones, are reliant on natural gas. Natural gas prices just keep on spiking over there. And again, we we can continue this whole discussion about inflationary, you know, commodity prices. But food is food is a big problem. They shut down their potash. On top of that, you know, the the farmers they're they're notorious penny pinchers. Whether it's the United States, whether it's Europe, so on and so forth. You know, they but the, they're going to have to make up the nutrients for the soil in the spring of 2023 and most likely into 2024 they can't just they can't deprive the land of nutrients so of course they're going to have to have another round of demand for fertilizer um i, I don't know about the nat gas based ones but potash certainly will have a surge that's why you know i've always on twitter been big on mosaic you know being the 800 pound gorilla outside of uh morocco's ocp but OPC, OPC, I think it is. So, but that's not a tradable stock mosaic is so yeah so i mean the fertilizer 
fertilizer, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very bullish on that. That's going to, you know, relate bigger to bigger increases in food prices, specifically right. in the UK. So you know, what, that's crops what, be, what crops in Europe would be most impacted by this? Uh, wheat, most likely wheat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and where does Germany, so traditionally, where does it source most of its fertilizer? Is it from Russia? I, I, wanna, I, I believe they get most of their stuff from Belarus originally. I don't, and I know that they have potash uh, fertilizer uh, plants inside of Germany itself, but I'm not sure of how, I don't know the exact numbers on the imports of what they do for fertilizer, but it's certainly a problem specifically. And Germany, for Germany, of course, it's a problem. For France, it's an even bigger problem because they're, big, they're a big food producer. Okay. Tracy, you've, you've said a lot about fertilizer in the past. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Does it just get even more intense or is, do we see some relief on the horizon? Well, I think it does get a little bit more intense. I mean, we just saw Azati and Yara and Norway's largest fertilizer company all kind of curb back production in very various countries, wherever their plants are concerned. So it's definitely a concern. I 100% agree with Albert. I mean, um, going into next year is going to be a very big problem. I mean, everybody's, you know, everybody's harvesting right now. Everything's fine. We've seen a big pullback in those prices, but going forward and, you know, particular next year, we're, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And a lot of that, Tracy, has to do with like the national governments are going to look out for their national interests and their own farmers so that, you know, although the imports will drop, so will the exports will drop and they'll just keep it with, you know, closed within their own, their own nation so they, they can feed their own people. Fertilizer nationalism. Oh, well, it's just it's just the same thing with oil. I mean, you know, the countries are not going to export, you know, more than that, you know, more than they can handle. Yeah. OK. So sounds pretty dire, but do we see any relief next year? Or like you said, is it going to go into 24? Or does it I all think, depend on Russia? I think it depends on Russia and whether the, the Europeans and uh, the United States come to their senses and stop trying to put their foot on the throat of the Russians. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're hampering your own economic growth. And I, 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 they're sitting there talking about, oh, we're going to you know, get away from fossil fuels and do this whole new climate thing. That's just not realistic. You know, and I don't think they just haven't come to grips with that yet. I think it's a time frame thing, right? I mean, it's, it's going to take some time. And I think there's a, there's a hybrid mix in the interim that I think we're trying to rush. Um, so well, that's, that's the point. They're trying to rush things. You know, right. when you rush things, you know, your own people are going to suffer economically and so on and so forth. It's, it's just not politically, you know, they just can't swallow it. Some of the vote, you know, voters don't swallow that sort of stuff. And things break like Californians can't charge their electric cars. Right. So, <laughs> no, I mean, this is these are these weird times. So, yep. OK, great. Um, thanks, guys. And then uh, on the oil price cap. So, you know, we had uh, Medvedev <clears throat> out this week, uh, former Russian President Medvedev out this week saying that Russia just won't deal with people who subscribe to the price cap. Um, and then we had Javier Bloss from Bloomberg tweet about it, saying that he and his friends are going to agree to a price cap on beer at their local pub and that the, you know, uh, the, the guys at the pub don't don't agree with it, which is which is uh, a nice analogy, I guess. Um, Tracy, what are you seeing on the price cap? Is it actually going to come about? Um, you know, I OK, well, first, 
they just announced that there's going to be, they've been talking about this for months. Let me give a little bit of background. Um, and they just announced today there's going to be three different kinds of price caps, one for crude and two for refined products. However, if you look at the actual G7 statement that was out today, they were pretty vague on this. And basically, they said, we invite all countries to provide input on the price cap, uh, on the price caps design um, and to implement this important measure. So in other words, they've decided they're going to do this, but not exactly how are they. they oh, so it's going to be 2030 before they come to an agreement on it. If, because they're asking all their stakeholders yeah. to join in this. And so what I see as the problems with this right now is that there's four specific problems. One, it's not really enforceable outside of G7 countries if people don't sign up for this. Two, Russia already said, again, you repeating you, that uh, they won't sell to countries that enact price caps. Um, three, I mean, Part of this is the maritime insurance on vessels carrying Russian oil. India is already providing safety and yes. certification through IRGC class. So um, by a Dubai subsidiary of the Russian uh, Russian shipping group, <laughs> so come with that. I hope I pronounced that right. But anyway, they've already kind of gotten their way around this. And for, they're also, in, you know, they're also thinking about creating their own benchmark. So right now, Russian crude oil is expressed as a discount to Brent because Brent is the, the benchmark price. So they already have an oil trading platform in place via RTS and MySex. Um, so they could build out this platform, which they've been talking about, and go through MIR, M-I-R, which is basically their version of SWIFT and completely bypass that and just let market forces work. Um, what I think about the long, I mean, I think this price cap is still way off from seeing the light of day, but this actually could turn out much more bullish because this price cap kind of overlooks how Russia could influence global markets. If they wanted to, they could opt to cut off the EU and NATO, not just G7 numbers, G7 uh, members, shut production and raise uh, crude oil price, global crude oil prices through the roof because they would take barrels off the market, thereby hurting um, the G7 nations. Sure. I'm not saying that would happen. I'm just saying that's within the realm of toolbox. And it's not surprising after we just saw today, as soon as an uh, oil price cap was announced as a plan, suddenly we just saw Gazprom has a problem with Nord Stream 1, therefore right. cutting them off of natural gas. So. so what's to stop, let's say, a European country that signs on to a price cap from buying, let's say, Russian crude that is sent to Chinese, say, ownership and then resold to, say, I don't know, Germany. I mean, that type of circumvention is already happening, right? Yeah, you, so, you can. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you can, you can definitely do that. What, what we're really seeing now is that kind of cir uh, circumvention is happening in the crude, uh, in the product market. So it's very easy for, say, um, India to buy Russian crude oil, refine it, and sell it to anywhere else because it's very hard to track right. where those barrels really came from. Right. It's easier to track a resale. Right. 
if that makes sense. Sure, it, it does. But, you know, they put in a barrel of, say, Emirati crude with uh, a million barrels of Russian crude, and then they label it Emirati crude, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, they they could if if they both have the same API level. Depends. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could mix them if they both were the same exact API level, then you could mix them. It's kind of um, different than, say, the uh, natural gas market. Yeah, the, the Iranians do this with the Iraqi oil in Basra often. Yeah, they mix it and label it as Iraqi. Because yeah. it's they share the same they share oil fields. I mean, Albert and I've been talking about this for I don't know, years now. <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. I mean, the the rules apply to the people who abide by the rules, right? And so, you know, even if these price caps are put in place, there will be circumvention in a big way. Of course, of at least of refined product, if not crude product, and so. You know, it, it's a lot of it for show. Is that fair to say? It's of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it's for show. This is a political thing right now for scapegoating Russia for inflation problems, you know. So, you know, now they're just snowballing things and saying Russia's gas is the problem for inflation. Russia's oil is a pro inflation problem. And right. you know, they're talking about caps. But like I said earlier, uh, and even just Tracy re reaffirmed it, is like, you know, the moment you mention price caps against the against Russia, Moscow finds an issue, whether it's gas prom leak or Belarus, you know, problems or, you know, Algeria has problems with Wagner. You know, they 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 create these issues all the time. Of course. That's it. Anytime there are sanctions on a country, right? These things happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, so okay. Very good. Thank you guys. We spent a lot of time talking about Europe. So let's move on to the week ahead and what we expect to happen the week ahead. You know, we saw, you know, some really interesting action in markets. And last week we talked about how um, kind of uh, Powell's speech uh, were really should have been a surprise to no one, but markets seemed to kind of take it on the chin this week, acting shocked that it, you know, he repeated himself again. So what do we expect going into next week? Do we expect things to kind of moderate a little bit or do we, do we at least in equity markets, do we spill, still expect some downtime? Down, uh, downward movement, and also say energy markets. You know, we saw we saw crude down. I think at eighty six or something. Tracy, um, you know, do you expect uh, say energy markets to continue to to fall next week? Um, what I would really look at, and what I'm looking at more, instead of looking at just front month price, which seems highly manipulated right now, especially going into um, midterms. Mm -hmm. Not suggesting anything, but I'm saying what I would what I would uh, start looking at as in like second and third month spreads or okay. second and fourth month spreads, right? Okay. So you really want to be looking, I think, a down just a couple months down um, down that curve a little bit. And if you start seeing because those curves are still kind of telling us that the market is very tight. And okay. Curves you can't really manipulate as much as you can so, so somewhat of the front line. So I think that's where you should be looking at. Um, you know, I think we'll really get a better grasp on these markets and to see what front month market is. I would be next week is OPEC meeting, right? So they were talking about cuts, right? Over yep. the last couple of weeks. That's right. So that's all eyes will be on that. That's on the fifth. Um, and SPR keeps going until October. And, right? Until October, right. Right. So, so we're really only looking at November, December before we'll see some 
upward pressure on prices, at least sustained yeah. upward pressure. Yeah, exactly. And depending on what you know, OPEC says, I mean, we could see an initial pullback. I mean, the general consensus is they're not going to do anything in September. However, OPEC has been known to give us some surprises. So just keep that in mind. That's good. All right. Very good. Sam, what are you looking for for next week? Uh, next week, I'm looking at the ECB. I want to hear how hawkish they are and how quick they're going to go and what type of language they're using. Uh, they're still, you know, they're still in the QE um, boat, right? They're still buying Italy. They're still buying Spain. They're still buying a bunch of the southern uh, southern debt and periphery type debt. So I, I want to hear what they're saying, how they're saying it, and just how, call it, quote unquote, inflation oriented they are. Um, they probably should be. Uh, particularly versus the Bank of England, who is very, very, very hawkish uh, and likely to continue to, one, explore actually outright sales from their asset purchases uh, to shrink their balance sheet and how quickly kind of the relative moves are there. I think that could have some, that could create some fireworks, uh, particularly in uh, called the Euro uh, pound type crosses. I think that could be really interesting. Uh, and cross asset class could be. Do you really think ECB will surprise hawkish? Yes. You do. Okay. Interesting. That'd be very interesting to see. Wow. Okay. And so you think the euro recovers a little bit on that? I think it knee jerks. Yes. But the question is, how long does that last? Right. I, I, that that I think is a much more important question than the initial uh, knee jerk. And I think over time, you probably it would be a fade the fade the news move. Okay. Very interesting. Okay, very good. Thanks for that. Albert, close us out. What do you see for next week? The big boys come back to play from vacation. That's I right, they do. I think they're going to start holding the, the market a little bit more accountable for all this bad data. And I think earnings were just atrocious, you know, when you when you look at what, what inflation was. I'm actually going to be watching, though, uh, China as we get closer to the CCP, the party meeting, uh, I think it's October 16th. I think uh, Xi might start announcing mini stimulus packages in certain sectors. So I wanna see if those materialize and what that does with commodities that are attached to them. Okay, I just wanna say with regard to the, the party meeting in November, if anybody talks about reading tea leaves or any of that garbage, you're banned immediately, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're not gonna imply like, cultural you know, mysteriousness on Chinese political processes. It's just yeah, it's, their it's bureaucracy not, like everyone else. They make decisions like everyone else. They're no more or less mysterious than anyone else. Yeah, so I that, want to say that for the people watching because the people watching are going to see a lot of kind of China experts or whatever, China watchers talk about how mysterious the CCP is and a lot of question marks. A lot of that are Fed talking points from the CCP spin machine. So yeah. they're not mysterious. They're a bureaucracy. They're boring, just like every other country. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the party is, I believe the Congress is uh, October 16th, not November. Yeah, so it's closer than people realize. It's only 30 days away. But, you know, China's going to have to probably stimu stimulate some, some sectors associated with whoever is in line with the party leadership to keep sure. them happy. So that's what I'll be watching next week. Yeah, very good. Very good. Guys, thank you so much. Look forward to have a great holiday weekend and I uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey guys. Have a good one.